Hey, y'all, before we get started, if you are enjoying this podcast, if you've listened to several episodes and have learned anything, if you'll do me a favor, take a screenshot and share this with someone who is a newbie in your life, who's interested in NFTs, but might feel overwhelmed. We want to get this education into the hands as many or the ears as many people as we can. So if you'll do me a favor and share this with one person in your life who you know would enjoy this content and have some fun learning about NFTs, we definitely appreciate it. Let's get into the show. Now, we are always talking about how a screenshot of an NFT means nothing because the actual NFT is verified on the blockchain. But today, we're going to talk about how things actually get verified and how it's probably not that good for the environment. Here we go. Look, are you interested in investing or collecting NFTs but are overwhelmed with all the information? Heather and I were true, true NFT newbies. We're going to break it down as we're learning, as we wander unafraid into the world of digital art. Listen, y'all, we're going to cure you of your FOMO, mildly educate you, and give our unqualified opinions and hopefully have a lot of laughs along the way. Welcome home, newbies. You are in the right Place if you are wanting to learn more about NFTs, blockchain technology, but do it in a really fun and simple way. We are here to answer your questions, do a little bit of research, and present it in an elementary fashion. And today we're talking all about proof. So when I hear proof, I think of Goodwill Hunting, which I'm sure you've never seen, but it's one of my favorite movies. I have, Paul. Thank you for your judgment in my what? life. Paul. I can't wait to meet our real-life Pauls. But I think of Matt Damon on the chalkboard doing his crazy shit, you know, like proofs. I know it's mathematical-related stuff. Do you think Matt Damon is hot? I just have to know. Do I think he's hot? Yeah, me and Brian had, like, the biggest argument. Brian thinks he's an attractive guy, and I don't think he is. I guess not. I don't okay, know. I don't, I, I've, I'm not prepared for that question. So I know I'll never get to the skill level I needed in order to do proofs. But in this world, in Web 3.0, there are people who do those proofs. They need really high-speed computers, and they need to have a lot of technical prowess because they are going to mine and help validate. These are the people who are doing these crazy transactions and mathematical equations to solve. And by solve, I just mean to make the transaction happen and then get that shit onto the blockchain. So Heather... It sounds way complicated. There has to be a reason behind why we have miners and people doing proofs. Yeah, it's because the cryptocurrency, y'all, is about decentralization, aka meaning we want some control up in her. We want to spread out the control. We ain't all about the man. You know, Jack Black, the man. What was that? School Rock? Yeah, the man. Step off! Step 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 (laughs) off! I love that. (laughs) We do. So decentralized finance is a financial technology based on secure distribution ledgers. Reading this. The system removes the control banks and institutions that have on money, financial products, and financial services. Some of the key attractions of DeFi for many consumers are... One, it eliminates the fees that banks and other financial companies charge for using their services. You know, they'd be trying to take advantage of you, stealing everything with the cow, with the farm, with the pig. They're taking everything up in here. You hold your money in a secure digital wallet instead of keeping it at the bank because you know you can't be trusting people. This is 2022. Anyone with an internet connection can use it without needing approval. 
Apparently that's a thing. And you can transfer funds in seconds, maybe minutes. It can do it a lot faster. Plus you save, you know, one point you did not put on here is that you save your gas in your car because you ain't got to go to the bank. <laughs> you remember having to drive it to the bank? <laughs> we got to go to a bank and we got to drive a long time ways to do it. Okay, but here, here's the deal is uh, these decentralized cryptocurrency networks need to make sure that nobody is spending the money, the same money twice without a central authority like Visa or PayPal in the middle. And so in order to accomplish this, networks use something called a consensus mechanism, a consensus mechanism, mm -hmm. which is a system that allows all the computers and a crypto network to agree about which transactions are legitimate, aka we need some proof. So how do we get this proof? Where's the proof coming from? So we kind of already discussed the proofs, but there's two overarching proofs that exist right now. And the first is going to be tied to Bitcoin. So Bitcoin uses what's called a proof of work consensus model. Uh, because Bitcoin was kind of first in the game in cryptocurrency, obviously they're proofing and there's a way to validate transactions and get this ledger established they used this thing called proof of work. And the thing with proof of work, the first thing you need to know is what everyone doesn't like about it is it uses a massive, massive amount of electricity and, and needs a lot of processing power because you need some really crazy computers to do this shit. Now, that also makes it really slow. So I'm going to read a little bit. Proof of work blockchain models verify transactions through consensus algorithm. We talked about that, minor, which requires miners to solve a cryptographic equation by trial and error. So Matt Damon is doing some stuff. So is his computer. So here's the kicker. Those who are able to perform these tasks get paid in how do you think cryptocurrency? I'm assuming in that case, it would be Bitcoin. But just so you know, Ethereum is actually proof of work as well. There is ETH 2.0, which is going to be what Heather covers in a second, which is proof of stake. But listen, here's, the, here's what you really need to know. Virtual miners around the world race to get a transaction to get done because that is a reward, which is cryptocurrency. Okay, so it's the most trusted, uh, not maybe not the most trusted, but it's been around the longest. It's demonstrated that it works, but it uses a ton of energy and it's a race, okay? It's a race between people trying to get it done. So everyone's like, nah, we, there's got to be a better way. And that's where Heather comes in with proof of... Steak. I like steak. You like steak. Proof yep. of steak Medium tries to rare, eliminate... Sometimes rare. I really don't like you. It has to be well freaking done. Why would you ever have blood in meat that you eat? I once worked as a, a like kind of like a, a cook at a coffee shop, uh, and I never forget this time. I, I this guy asked me for a burger well done, and I kept sending it to him. He's like, "Nope," and he's like, "Nope." And then I come back. He's like, "I want it burnt." He's like, "I don't want any sweat on the thing," and I'm like, "Very well." All right. Anyway, proof of stake. You can't trust coffee house cooks. Why would you go to a coffee house and get you a burnt burger? But let's focus on proof. <laughs> That's even worse. People need to eat. You're crazy. <laughs> Proof of stake tries to solve for the problem um, by, mm, by focusing on more speed and less energy. But there's a problem with that because with the Ethereum blockchain, there's a lot more going on than Bitcoin, like smart contracts and NFT minting and sales. So... Let me just say one thing really quick. I, I, I just want to remind something, some people, what we covered once before. Bitcoin is finite, right? So like all they're doing is just making sure that like every 10 minutes, a transaction in the ledger is updated. It doesn't mean there's as many transactions at, at all. 
But ETH has so many use cases, which is the whole premise of it, that the adoption is so high because everyone's getting creative as shit with it and being like, okay, so we could do this, we could do this, we could do this. So obviously, like the volume of transactions is massively more, which is kind of becoming a little bit of a problem. Hey newbies, our friend Sean has made an online course called NFTs Simplified. So consider it an extension of the things that we've tried to help you do. Now this course is gonna cover a few things and we wanna tell you about it because it is very affordable and it is very worthwhile. So obviously we're gonna cover what an NFT is, how to transfer Ether crypto into your wallet, how to buy an NFT, NFT security basics, all so that you can do the things you want. Some of you wanna make money, some of you wanna invest money, some of you wanna make sure your NFTs and your monies are safe. And that's exactly uh, why we're pairing up with Sean for this. So there will be five video lessons and there's also plenty of course handouts and notes. Uh, I'm looking at some of the reviews right now. Here's one from Halim saying the course is great. I love the graphics and wish I had time to watch all this before I tried to do it myself. So there's additional reviews just like that, that made us confident to partner with him and to offer this course to you for 19 bucks. Okay. That's about three Starbucks grande drinks. Okay. So think about it, 19 bucks to keep your NFTs safe, to get you some of that extended knowledge that you want, and to just have a course from someone who is driven to help you. So we'll link it in the show notes. See you next time. So proof of stake miners have to, and I'm going to read here, pledge a quote, stake of digital currency before they can validate transactions and usually need to have at least, get this, 32 stinking ETH to mine. I thought that was crazy. The more coins they own, the more power they have for mining. More money's more power. The miner chosen for each transaction is chosen randomly through a weighted algorithm that takes the miner's relative power into account. So this is different because they have skin in the game. Well, they have to even to be able to participate. After they have verified a block, it is added to the chain and they receive a fee in the form of crypto, pay me your crypto. If they don't verify it properly, their own stake will be affected and they will lose some or all of their coins. So they get punished, essentially. Yes. This proves more security to the process since there's no incentive to cheat or steal coins. That's fascinating. It is, man. I just learned that Dang, too. Dang, like, that's a lot of realize. sweat and pressure. And let me tell you what I thought about, I, I had a, a little bit of time to think about this and it's just like, you have to be committed to the movement, right? Like you have to be committed to not just cryptocurrency, but DeFi and what it's trying to do and what the future outcomes could be. So it's absolutely nuts in my opinion. You need 32 ETH just to do it. If I had 32 ETH, do I want to be mining shit? No, but maybe if I'm smart, that means like I'm actually part of of it, like really part of it. And if I fuck it up, then I have a lot to lose. So this is like making sure that like the tippy top people or miners or personnel are involved in kind of raising the bar, so to speak. So I thought that was really, really interesting versus- That's a lot of freaking pressure though, dude. Cause it reminds me a uh, championship game when freaking 49ers lost when you want to talk about it. And homeboy yeah. almost caught that interception. And he just like- was on the ground and like beating himself up. And I kept thinking about, he is just going to like hate himself for like a year. Yeah, for, man. That was. And I, I don't know, there's always going to be human error. And so that's a, yes. that's a lot of weight, dude. That's a lot of weight. I agree. So, so it's not the same as people competing. It's, it's people who have skin in the game are trying to do this. 
Now, as you know, because there's so many transactions happening, I, I don't think it's it's not a race, but there are still people competing, in my opinion, uh, which is, what do you think happens here? This is why you see the gas fees. Okay, so there's still, so you're saying to yourself, why would anyone ever do proof of work anyway when there's proof of stake that exists out there on Cardano or Tezos or something like that? So uh, I this might be a different episode, but like, there's three kind of pillars that come into into focus here. One is like how decentralized are you? How secure is it? And how fast you are? So Tezos, Cardano, ETH 2.0, like it's a little bit more centralized. And I need to do a little bit more digging about that, but they're willing to be like, I'm willing to be a little bit more centralized and not just kind of farm it out all over the place in order to be faster and more secure, which I completely get. But why would anyone do proof of work if it's if it's just trusted and nothing else and it's just using a ton of energy? Because bigger companies or people with more money are happy to purchase something for 40 ETH or 400 ETH and pay that little ass gas fee. But Heather and Rich do not want to pay a $100 gas fee on a $20 NFT. So like it's a problem, but all I could say is this. Well, they've already started implementing ETH 2.0, which is, is a proof of stake consensus. That started December 2020. It's expected to be completely rolled out by 2022. So we'll see how things are affected. But I, I wanted to just mention this, Heather. This is a study from Cambridge, University of Cambridge. Okay, here's electricity per transaction. Bitcoin, 830,000 kilowatt hours. Like, what does that actually mean? I don't know, but it's a big fucking number. ETH is 50,000 kilowatt hours, which is 780,000 less kilowatt hours. And then Tezos is 30,000 kilowatt hours. So here's, here's the interesting part of what uh, Cambridge said. So if Bitcoin were a country, its annual energy consumption would place it between the mid-sized countries of Ukraine and Argentina. Some estimates of Ethereum's annual energy consumption place it around 26 terawatt hours, I'm assuming, a draw of three gigawatts comparable to Ecuador, a company of 17 million people. And then lastly, by contrast, the energy used annually by validators of the Tezos network is probably in the range of 60 megawatt hours, a continuous draw of seven kilowatts. Uh, and the last thing here, the, these numbers differ by a factor of over 2 million between six and seven orders of magnitude, which is nuts. So when I saw Hazel in on Twitter, Hazel Southwell, replying, I, I had commented on something and uh, the question was, you know, what's a good amount of money to spend for a potential reasonable return, you know, and she wrote, there's no reasonable amount. It's a pyramid scheme for JPEGs that is causing massive environmental damage. And you know what, Heather, after reading that, she's maybe not that far off. Yeah. And that's why there is so much freaking, I don't know if you really so controversy about NFTs. It has a lot of upside to it, but we'd be ignorant to say that there isn't a lot of downside in it. We have to address it in order for it to be sustainable. So we'll wrap it up here with a pros and cons list from Business Insider of proof of stake. It says pros, it allows for faster transaction times, making it more scalable, has a smaller environmental impact and gives an economic incentive to approve valid blocks. I don't see how there could be any cons with this. Richard, what are the cons? It hasn't been fully tested or proven. Bitcoin's been doing this for, I think, what, since like 2013 or something. So it's, it's proven. It just obviously takes a lot of energy. Proof of stake can trend towards centralization, like we kind of talked about, which is like this whole D5 movement. Like, do you really... Do you really want to stand on that mountaintop being like, I'm willing to be faster, I'm willing to be safer, but I got to be a little bit more centralized. And then lastly, uh, it may not be as secure or tamper resistant as proof of work. So yeah, I mean, 
this is the simplest way we could break it down. Obviously, we're learning it as well, but uh, proof of stake is coming. And let's see how it changes the NFT game. So we're going to end with this question that came from Emiliano Estrada, which says, what is your desired future state? That's a deep question. Like in, in, Independent wealth. Um, so, I mean, you and I have talked about this. I just, I just want, I don't want to rely on anyone. I don't want to owe anyone anything. And that does not mean I need to have a lot of things. That just means peace. You know what I mean? Like just like, just peace. Just be like, I, I know everything's going to be okay. We have the resources we need. We can donate also. We could give to other people like independently wealthy, self-insured. You? My biggest thing is I want to travel more than anything. And I'm not talking about traveling to like these five-star hotels and being on some yacht or anything like that. Nothing wrong with that. But I'm so curious about like culture and other ways of living and people who I never would have been able to meet before. So I want to go to like third world countries and like sleep in a tent and make a documentary. That's what I want to do. Go to Jamaica. And you get some of that you know, weed. Because they hand you weed there. They <laughs> hand you weed there and I'm not ready. Speaking of not ready, if you're listening on the podcast and have not been to our YouTube channel, there's some crazy stuff over there that um, I'm a little bit embarrassed about. So make sure you click the link in the show notes and hit that subscribe button. And we'll see you next time. Bye.